You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported, Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting for WFHB, this is Cade Young. And I'm Ruth Flegman. This is the WFHB Local News for Monday, October 25th, 2022. Later in the program, a federal grand jury indicted Indianapolis Police Sergeant Eric Huxley for violating a man's civil rights using executive force during an arrest at Monument Circle last year. More in today's feature report. Also coming up in the next half an hour, we have the latest episode of Lil Bub's Lil Show, a co-production between WFHB and Lil Bub's Big Fund. But first, your daily headlines. At the Monroe County Public Library Board of Trustees meeting on October 19th, Director Greer Carson gave his monthly report. Carson said the marketing department has been successful with their promotional efforts and that the Friends of the Library also held a successful book sale. So uh, this isn't specific to this month, but I'll draw your attention to it in in the uh, October report. Our marketing department updates uh, highlight a number of increased use trends relative to the monthly promotional efforts that we make. So, for example, Credo Reference, the new e-library access for schools webpage, our Medicare 101 program, and staff picks uh, titles related to Banned Books Week a couple weeks back. Patrons are noticing these promotional efforts, and we're seeing increases in use trends as a result. So it's well worth it. This is something that we we tend to highlight every month in the director's report, um, but there were three or four pieces in the marketing update this time around that really stood out to me. Our vital programs creating English to go kits for refugees and asylum seekers, thanks in part to support from our local South Central Community Action Program. Our young bookmobile patrons got an opportunity to vote on a theme we would use to decorate the inside of the vehicle, and so the bookmobile became the beachmobile for the month of September. And our foundation's fall book sale saw record sales, so thank you to our friends of the library staff, board members, and volunteers for coordinating such a successful sale. And finally, we resumed our annual staff day event on Tuesday, September 27th, the first that we've held since the start of the pandemic. It was a great day. We all engaged in training development sessions and maybe more than anything else, just got time to talk and listen to each other and learn from each other's experiences. It was very positive all the way around. We're glad to be back in the staff day routine. Next, Financial Officer Gary Letelier asked the board to adopt the 2023 library budget. He explained how much the library expects to receive from taxes next year. Last month at the public hearing, we went over the 2023 budget numbers in some detail. Uh, Tonight, we have the final step of the budget process, which is approval of the adoption form. The first column on the adoption form has the spending budget for each of the library's funds. The total spending budget for all the funds is $12,886,224. The second column is the budgeted revenue from the operating fund tax levy and the debt fund levy. The operating fund tax levy is about $7.4 million dollars. 
The debt levy is about $900,000. The third column is the tax rate. The combined operating fund and debt fund tax rate for 2023 is 8.38 cents per $100 of assessed value. And that compares to uh, last year, 9.25 cents. Um, so this chart shows how the 2023 uh, tax rate compares to the years all the way back to 2011. Uh, and you can see that in 2011, we were at uh, nearly um, 11 cents total, and now we're down to 8.38 cents. Um, so the drop in the 2023 library tax rate shows how the large increase in the county's assessed value is driving the tax rate down, even as the library's revenue from property taxes increases by 5%. The board approved the 2023 budget. The board then heard from adult services manager Elizabeth Gray, who gave an update on the recent work of the adult services department and how they have provided engaging events for the citizens of Monroe County. Good evening. Thank you for giving me time this evening to talk about adult services. Our staff worked hard this past year to create a wide range of programs and services for all of our patrons. Our librarians continue to host more traditional programs like book clubs while trying new ideas that allow our patrons to learn and experience a wider variety of events. I will touch on some of the highlights this year so far. Programs about plants proved to be very popular this year. These programs included plant and seed swaps, native and invasive plant walks, garden pest control, a wildflower identification walk, and native seed propagation. We partnered with Purdue Extension and Monroe County Identify and Reduce Invasive Species for several of these events. Additionally, the seed library gave out over 6,000 packets of seeds to the community this year. We continue to work to build a partnership with HealthNet, a group that provides healthcare as well as a wide range of resources for those experiencing homelessness. HealthNet attempts to reach folks where they are to make it easy for them co to connect with those most in need of their services. When we had a patron experiencing a crisis, I contacted HealthNet and they immediately responded to assist the person in the library, even though it was not their scheduled time to be here. Our CHOP Challenge, created by librarian Maggie Hutt, continues to be a very popular program. It drew the attention of Goods for Cooks, who asked to partner with us by providing recipe ideas and prizes for the program. Librarian Christine Friesel continues to lead the work on Monroe County Field Notes, which is a virtual dig for early 19th century landmarks and people. Patrons not only research their own parcel histories, but help us track down where our earliest black residents lived. We discover new leads about the Underground Railroad. On November 15th, Christine will present Mapping with the Monroe County Field Notes, introducing a beta digital story map that highlights the field notes contributed from our community and staff. This project will continue into 2023. The Bears in the Library's Plaza saw music programs, craft programs, and poetry in the plaza, where local poets performed to celebrate National Poetry Month. Librarian Maggie Hutt and presenter Deepa Shaw created our Golden Agers Club for folks 60 and up. 
These meetings help provide seniors with an opportunity to make connections while enjoying a variety of activities, including stories, brain-boosting games, movement sessions, and discussions. In conjunction with the City of Bloomington and the IU Arts and Humanities Council's Grand Falloon, we hosted the Fix-It Fair again. Local professionals are available to provide free repairs or help patrons learn to do their own repairs on all kinds of items. Over 100 people attended, fixing items ranging from a teddy bear to a cuckoo clock. Gray shared that the librarians reached more citizens by tabling at local events and gave examples of how the library has helped patrons on the individual level with both big and small tasks. Librarians also connect with members of the community by tabling at different events throughout the year. At these events, they speak with patrons about library services, create library cards for new patrons, and bring the button maker, which always draws a crowd. This year, we tabled at the City of Bloomington's Fiesta del Altano, the IU Graduate Student Welcome Fair, one of IU's first Thursdays events, and at Fairview School as a resource for parents. Led by librarian Josh Caswell, our Level Up space has been quite busy. We introduced digitization equipment this year, allowing patrons to digitize older media. We helped a woman hear her daughter's baby sounds from 40-year-old cassette tapes. We digitized slides for a patron who wanted to show her grandchildren what her father, their great-grandfather, looked like. We've digitized countless videos of weddings, holidays, and family trips. And this year, we purchased two new 3D printers, which are faster, allowing patrons to create 711 3D prints so far. Among those was a speech-language pathologist who created 3D symbols for students who are blind. The model has raised shapes, including Braille, that help communicate an idea or a concept to the students. And in the midst of all of our programs and services, it's easy to forget the cornerstone of our work in adult services, staffing the information desk on the second floor. Interactions, which may seem mundane to us, might actually be life-changing to our patrons. Recently, I assisted a patron who was a non-native English speaker. He came to the second floor information desk inquiring about a tax form. He had found the form on his phone, but was struggling to fill it out and find a way to fax it. I found the form and printed it, and once he filled it out, I showed him how to use our scan to fax machine. The entire process took maybe five minutes. He thanked me profusely once we were done and said that he hadn't slept for two nights because he couldn't figure out how to get this tax form filled out and faxed. I told him anytime he has a problem like this, he should come to the library, and if we couldn't assist him, that we would find someone who would. That was a good day on the reference desk. Board member Carrie Asari asked about the partnership with HealthNet and if the clinic was already up and running. Gray said that the clinic is not ready yet, but they are working on it. It was really nice that they thought of coming to the library. And they have been any time, like I said, I called them one day, uh, not expecting them to come over, but just wondering what kind of resource you know they could suggest. They came right over and helped us. And they've been so good to work with about things like that. They really are uh, you know, working where their clients are. That's what they want to do. And that's why they wanted to be here at the library. So it's, it's been great. And yeah. I think that was indicative in the way they came to that board meeting earlier this year. And there were like three or four of them who attended they, virtually and they had so much information to share. They were so eager. It's really like sort of their drive for doing this work. Awesome. So we, we were very fortunate. To they have also, I should have mentioned this, um, they keep some supplies in one of our closets. And uh, one day I was working with uh, a patron who's experiencing homelessness and he needed a blanket 
and I got him, they had blankets. I got him a blanket and then they had like these small packets of food and water. This was in the middle of the summer too when it was hot. So I got him that and he needed shoes and they happened to have a pair of shoes that fit him. And then interestingly enough, I went back to the desk and the patron sitting next to him came up and said, do you happen to have another blanket? I don't have a blanket. And there was one more back there. So I went and got the blanket. So they have, they have told, I, emailed them just so that they knew that I had, you know, gotten into their stash and taken some things. But they told us that that would be there. And in the winter, I know they're going to leave gloves and hats and things like that. Um, And they said, please, you know, if somebody needs it to take it. So that's been fantastic as well. Carson added that the lease has been signed and squared away. The next Monroe County Public Library Board of Trustees meeting will be held on November 16th. Three new interns were introduced at the Bloomington Board of Park Commissioners meeting on October 18th. The Parks and Recreation Department added Indiana University Cox Scholar Morgan Wood as their new data analyst, Jake Wood as their new natural resources intern, and Thomas Scare as the new O'Neill Fellow. Next, Operations and Development Division Director Tim Street asked the board to approve a contract with Maida Design for Griffey Lake crossing construction. Street outlined what the contract would entail and how it would be funded. Uh, Happy to come before you tonight with a contract with Mater Design in the amount of $12,500 that will be funded through uh, TIF funds approved through through the Bloomington Redevelopment Commission. Uh, That funding was actually approved at last night's RDC meeting. Um, So that step is completed. And now to finalize the contract, we need the Board of Park Commissioners approval. Uh, what this contract will do is Mater Design will provide construction administration, uh, bid doc preparation, engineering services, et cetera, uh, for the Griffey Dam trail crossing project. Uh, and just a general reminder with the Griffey project, we, we have three phases basically happening with that project. The first phase we completed, uh, which was the trail crossing on the east side and the pilot project of trail on the south shore. Um, This will essentially be the second phase. Um, We hope to bid this this winter uh, and construct this next year, uh, which will take care of the safe dam crossing. Uh, And then we will use the remaining bicentennial bond funds next year uh, once the master plan for the trail is delivered later this year uh, to construct as many improvements and the best improvements we can uh, to complete that approximate six-mile loop. The board approved the contract unanimously. The board also approved a contract with Winterland Incorporated to rent lights for the Winter Lights December Nights event at Switchyard Park. Community Events Manager Leslie Brinson shared what the contract would include. The Parks Department will be hosting the second Winter Lights December Nights on Saturday, December 3rd at Switchyard Park. During the event, Winterland will provide the delivery, setup, and takedown of standalone light fixtures to be displayed Uh, around the park. These lights will actually remain in the park for the entire month of December. The department will rent several standalone light displays from Winterland and we are purchasing, uh, we actually were able to purchase two displays um, this year after some additional sponsorship money. And um, we worked with the same department in 2021 and really appreciated their um, flexibility, their willingness to come work with us. And one of the few companies in Indiana that actually rents the light displays as opposed to making you purchase them. So um, this year, the uh, theme is Candylands. The next Bloomington Board of Park Commissioners meeting will be held on November 15th.
This week, a federal grand jury indicted Indianapolis Police Sergeant Eric Huxley for violating a man's civil rights using excessive force during an arrest at Monument Circle last year. The body camera footage shows the police sergeant kicking the victim, Jermaine Vaughn, in the face while he was handcuffed. Warning, the following footage contains graphic content that may be disturbing to some viewers. What about you? No, nobody cares what you're saying. No, okay, and nobody cares what you do either. Not really. You understand that? Yeah, I'm not, you, you I'm not, the, one, I'm not no, the one out here complaining. I, I, no, that was the thing. Nobody cares what you do anymore. I know, nobody's out nobody here Nobody cares what you do anymore. You understand that? Lean back. You nobody cares what you do anymore. Lean back. How the f*** am I going to lean back with the f*** you hold myself? Well, look. We're not going to do this, right? We're not going to do this, right? Stop. We're done. You're done. You're done. You're done. Are we done now? Yep. Go over. You're done. I can't. Go over. I can't. You're done. There you go. You're done. There you go. There you You're go. Police brutality. Just him up. There you go. Police brutality. During a press conference following the incident, Indianapolis Metropolitan Police Department Chief Randall Taylor reacted to the body camera footage before showing the public. It's interesting. This month marks my 34th year in law enforcement. And although I'm not a stranger to officers behaving badly, I think the fact that you'll see this on body cam uh, is really going to bring it home in person. I'm, I'm upset. It hurts me to. Uh, see any of our officers treat someone the way that you're going to see here shortly. No excuse for it. Uh, I promised this community and I promised our officers that I would be transparent. That's in good times and bad times. This is a bad time. But I think the community deserves it. Uh, hopefully they'll, they'll understand that uh, not only myself but my team uh, acted swiftly and we were prompt in our decisions to uh, remove police powers from these individuals that were involved and to launch these investigations, including the criminal investigation. The city of Indianapolis, the police department, and Chief Taylor face another federal lawsuit from the two police officers who reported Huxley. These two officers claimed they face retaliation after reporting him. Furthermore, Huxley faces state felony charges for official misconduct and battery with moderate bodily injury. The suit is still pending in court. Up next, the latest episode of Lil Bub's Lil Show, a co-production between WFHB and Lil Bob's Big Fund.
Welcome to Lil Bub's Lil Show, a weekly co-production from WFHB and Lil Bub's Big Fund. We highlight adoptable animals with special needs in South Central Indiana and spotlight topics to promote human animal welfare. First, here's today's featured animal. Hi, my name is Eden Stafford. I am the administrative director here at White River Humane Society. We are not-for-profit. We get a little bit of about 23% from our government funds, but the rest is all donation. And we try to give everyone a chance when they deserve it and do our best with what we have. We're talking about Wobbles today. Wobbles is about seven or eight months, so he's a teenager. <laughs> He is super sweet. He just wants love. He rolls around and he just is always wanting cuddles from people. <laughs> With Wobbles, he had a previous injury. He was probably hit by a car, we guess. His back hips have been fractured and have healed back. So he kind of has a weird gait when he walks. And then his front leg has some nerve damage. So he can't really feel it, doesn't really use it. We would hope he would get like a foster to adopt situation because he may have to have that leg removed. So he would need, you know, care to make sure his leg's healing up fine once it's taken off. And then just has to be inside because he wouldn't be able to get away from, you know, predators very quickly. He'll walk a little weird just because of his hips, but I don't think it's going to affect him. He doesn't seem to care at the moment. <laughs> the next steps would be either to come into the shelter or go to our website, whiteriverhumanesociety.org, um, and we have a foster form on there. We also have an adoption form. He would be fostered to adopt for a little while, just because he'll have to be neutered, um, and we have to wait and see, you know, for sure if he will need that leg amputated, and if so, he'll have to go through that process before he can be adopted. Wobbles has a history of getting along well with other cats and dogs, and there have been no complaints regarding his history around children. If you're interested in adopting today's featured pet, you can learn more at our websites, goodjobbub.org and wfhb.org. You're listening to Lil Bub's Lil Show, a co-production of WFHB and Lil Bub's Big Fund. We now turn to this week's featured topic. Every year, around 6.5 million pets arrive at animal shelters nationwide. With such high intake numbers at shelters across the country, it can be hard for shelters to find homes for every animal in their care. Unwanted and unplanned litters of pets contribute to this strain. Spaying and neutering help control the pet homelessness crisis. The terms spay and neuter refer to surgical sterilization, in which a veterinarian removes certain reproductive organs. Spaying is done for female pets, neutering for male pets. In addition to preventing overpopulation, spaying and neutering offer various medical benefits. Spaying helps prevent uterine infections and decreases the incidence of breast tumors. Neutering can help prevent testicular cancer and some prostate problems. Unneutered dogs and cats are more likely to mark their territory by spraying urine, including indoors. 
some aggression and roaming problems may also be curbed by neutering. Many animal shelters and humane societies include spay and neuter surgeries within pet adoption fees. If you have a pet that has not been spayed or neutered, a veterinarian can help you determine options for your pet. Low-cost spay and neuter clinics are also available in some communities, such as Pets Alive in Bloomington. Bub thinks you should spay or neuter your pet because it's one of the most responsible ways you can care for your pet and other animals. It helps them lead a longer, healthier life and helps bring an end to pet homelessness. Thank you for tuning in to Lil Bub's Lil Show on WFHB. Produced in partnership with Lil Bub's Big Fund. For more info on today's featured animal and topic, find us online at goodjobbub.org and wfhb.org. Support for the WFHB Local News is brought to you by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. More information online at mpisolarenergy.com. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News. Today's headlines were written by Cade Young and Noelle Herhusky-Schneider in partnership with CATS, Community Access Television Services. Lil Bub's Lil Show is produced by Christine Brackenoff and Stacey Berdovsky. Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. For WFHB, this is your engineer and executive producer, Cade Young. And I'm Ruth Flegman. Thanks for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent daily news program. You can hear tonight's full broadcast online at wfhb.org. The WFHB Local News is also available as a podcast. Just search our call letters, WFHB, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Subscribe to never miss another local news program. Stay tuned for a heavyweight Coming up next on WFHB. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News on WFHB Community Radio. Our news is written and reported by volunteers working to provide local news, cover local issues, and strengthen our local community. We invite you to participate. You may submit questions, comments, and story ideas to news at wfhb.org. You can become a WFHB local news volunteer by attending new volunteer orientation. Feel free to check out the WFHB local news archive at wfhb.org to find newscasts, 
individual stories and catch a live feed of the WFHB local news. We are local longer 